Hello, and welcome to the Trudeau Mania Troubles edition of Political Traction. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. Campaigns have been crisscrossing the country, but the one making the most headlines is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as he fends off protesters and hecklers at campaign stop after campaign stop. Joining us this week on the podcast to discuss this and more is Susan Delacourt, an Ottawa-based columnist for the Toronto Star, where she's been covering politics on Parliament Hill since the late 1980s. A political science graduate of Western University, she's written four political books, and her latest, Shopping for Boats, was a finalist for the 2014 Hillary Weston Writers' Trust Prize in Nonfiction. Susan joined the Liberal campaign this past week and joined us to give us the scoop on what's really going down behind the scenes. This is Political Traction. All right, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I, as mentioned off air, um, I've read your writing since I was like a tiny Tory. So uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's really special. It's really cool for me actually to talk to you because I'm a bit of a fan. So um, appreciate you ta- nice. <laughs> appreciate you taking the time. And I know you said you've kind of been for the last, I guess, two and a half weeks, three weeks, been sort of crisscrossing the country. So maybe give our listeners a sense of what you've been up to over the last few weeks. So I, I haven't been um, totally on the tour. In fact, uh, the star had decided not to staff the tours this, uh, this. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, we, um, we're finding that fewer and fewer readers are actually interested in those stories from the, the campaign. So what we've been doing is we've been doing our own sort of uh, whatever uh, resourceful stuff. They've told us we can go out and, um, on the road if we want. So I had planned to go out. And then last Friday night, uh, when the, um, you know what hit the fan in, um, <laughs> in, uh, in Bolton, Ontario, uh, my boss called me on the Saturday and said, I think you should go on the road with Trudeau. Okay. So um, I've been following Trudeau. I wrote an ebook on him when he was running for the leadership. So I, I'm, I'm well-traveled with that man. And uh, my boss thought it would be a good idea for me to go out and see the Justin Trudeau that I knew back in 2012 and 13 facing this. So I hopped on the bus on Sunday morning. Uh, You all have to take a COVID test. I'm sure others have told you it's a a weird thing. You know, I've been living in in this um, pandemic isolation. Then suddenly I'm taking a sticking swabs up my nose and jumping onto a bus and I'm in Cambridge, Ontario, and then another um, mess unfolded there. So uh, the decision was that I would just not write the news of the day, I'm a columnist anyway, and I would just take in Justin Trudeau's campaign for two days and uh, write out of that. So I've written a couple of stories out of it, I'll probably write more, but um, but I, I, what was front of mind to me was what I saw in in Cambridge. Although I will say too, uh, in that two days, I managed to cram in a lot of stuff. And I saw, I went to Nunavut, we went to Iqaluit, and I saw the various stages or parts of the Justin Trudeau campaign too, which was interesting. I saw him, uh, <clears throat> the, the crazy protests. I saw him do these Radcan interviews, uh, sitting very earnestly at an, 
and uh, had drinks with uh, his team and then um, flew to, we went, we went to a nature reserve in Quebec and then we flew to Iqaluit. And that was the 2015 Justin Trudeau I saw there. They greeted him like a rock star up in, in Iqaluit. So that, that was an adventure. I, in the meantime, I'm also watching the others, but, um, but that was my week on the road. It sounds like sounds like quite the week. Um, no swabs and people and, you know, it's 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 amazing to watch the leaders. And I think the journal, it must be as an outside, it must be cool to, to travel. I was always when I did tour, I was in the war room, so I never got to go anywhere. I just saw like the back then that was also when we cycled through like Sunday was the down day. So everybody would come in. The tour guides would come in or and girls, I should say, and drop their giant bags in the middle of our thing, take off, go like shower, eat, whatever, and then get the hell on the road again. The. Um, well, it's it's a surreal experience at any rate, and I haven't been on one really in any for any length of time since 1997. And since then, I've mostly acted as sort of election coordinator or columnist or something. But um, it's fun. There's a weird rhythm to it, but it's a bizarre experience. It's even ten times more bizarre because of COVID. You know, like um, from the swab up your nose to the idea that you are living in the opposite of isolation when you're on those campaigns. And so you mentioned you wrote an ebook when he was running for the leadership, right? You mentioned yes, um, you mentioned you saw 2015 Trudeau and a Callowit and you're seeing, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people have been remarking upon six years in government will put a patina on anyone. I think um, you can still win majorities, as we saw with Harper, right? He went minority, minority to a majority. But this certainly, I think, seems to be a different environment that the PM is. Well. He's no longer doing mainstreaming and just getting, you know, rushed with fans, right? There's no. this other element out there. So as a student of the PM, what did you make of the environment that he's facing in 2021, knowing that some of these are just yahoos and lunatics who are also the same people that are like peering into Stephen Lecce's backyard and all that kind of shit, right? Like that's, I mean, there's an element of that, but as a, as a professional politician, as a student of this man, what do you think is happening? I, you know, back when uh, the, the pandemic first started, one of his friends, not Jerry Butts, you guys have other friends. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know it from Twitter, but yeah. <laughs> um, said to me, a, a very close friend of his, said to me that he was worried about Churchill. And uh, you know what happened with Winston Churchill? Uh, so he managed the Second World War and first opportunity British voters had, they voted him out. And it was that Churchill was associated, I guess people say, with times and things that people would rather not remember. And you think, you know, as you said, every politician after six years in power power acquires baggage. It looked to me, those protests, which I think happened again in Sudbury this week, um, those, I wrote this, it looks like somebody put the two biggest challenges of, of Trudeau's career as prime minister into a test tube, Donald Trump and the pandemic, put them into a test tube, shook them up and sprayed them all over these small towns. Cause they're, they're very Trump-like, they are scary. Um, I, I've been saying to people who are tempted to normalize it, they're, they're frightening, you know, they, um, but, to watch him go through this, he, I, I had a brief encounter with him in the hallway of the hotel and I said to him, I asked him if he was okay and he was, uh, you know, 
fine, but his people are preoccupied with this. They are, um, and I wondered, um, I wondered how, even if he does win, and that's in doubt as we're seeing in the polls now, I think that is, that is sort of settled in this week. How's he gonna govern a country, right? With the, the, the polarization of, of opinion on him is it's not just, we don't love you anymore, Justin Trudeau, it's we hate your guts. And, you know, I think that's gonna be tough on any politician. I think this one more than others though, is used to brushing off the what the public says. That's how he kind of grew up. So in some ways, he's a politician designed for this era of, you know, absolute hatred. He learned, he's been trained at a very young age how to brush it off. But it was so different from the 2013 Trudeau who would attract major crowds wherever he went. The 2015 Justin Trudeau, who was a hero, less so in 2019, obviously. Um, and I also kind of felt that you could see the effect of the pandemic on the tour. These yeah. people have been for a year and a half trying to manage a government. And now they're out there in this crazy COVID world uh, trying to conduct a campaign and there's a determination to do it as normal. Um, I'm sure that was not grammatical, but there's a determined <laughs> We're into the wine now, remember? This is yeah, part of the thesis yeah, yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, we're, another we're, one. We're at yeah. a bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's a determination. Almost, it, you could almost say, depending on where you're sitting, that the determination to carry on as a campaign is normal almost feels a bit tone deaf. You know, it's, um, you know, it, it's rolling out the, you know what these are called, they, they predate me here they they call those little news releases they give you on every tour the gains burgers yeah like the dog food and they they go through all the motions of a campaign so i think that the the weird fit is this is supposed to be a very important election campaign it's supposed to be a unique election campaign a historic one he says and then it carries on like it's a normal little road show and i think the disconnect for me is that you know the um you know you think you know, it feels at times like the world is going to, you expect to see the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming over the, the horizon next. And then we go to the next place and the teleprompters are set up and it's all like normal. And the other parties I'm sure are finding the same thing. It's, it, I can see why the general public is saying, why are we having an election? Because it does seem like a strange relic of another era into a new one we don't know yet. Yeah, I and are you surprised? Because one thing, like this first came out, I, I remember I, I was hosting my radio show on the Friday and we were doing the topic about we knew the election was going to call on Sunday. And I'm like, I do not want to debate whether or not we should have an election. I was like, <laughs> that happens every fucking time. Yeah. The same thing. People bitch about it for two days and yeah. then everybody forgets about it. I said, we're going to have a debate about like substance. So you can talk about a policy you think they should do or whatever. But I'm like, we're not talking about this. It's not a thing. Yeah. And I was wrong. And the following week, I literally had to go on air and I said, so last week I said, I didn't want to talk about this. This week, it's still a topic and it's the dominant one. So we have to talk about what having an election I, yeah. surprised me. And I think part of it is I just assumed we knew they were planning to pull the trigger. And I do. I feel deep sympathy for like friends in the government and like friends in all levels of government who are just exhausted 
because of the pandemic. They are just, I don't think you can underestimate like just bone deep weary, like so exhausted. They haven't been sleeping. They've been making like weird life or death decisions, deciding people go to restaurants and businesses can open. This is not what they signed up for. That's right. So I think to lurch from that to a campaign when you, you haven't rested is one thing, but also I think there was an expectation. There would be a reason for it. It's most important since 1945. And that has yet to be articulated and it's weirdly sticking. Are you surprised that it's sticking so much? I think for all the reasons you say, yes, I, I'm as surprised. I would have said the same as you, you, but it's funny. I live in the safest liberal riding. I believe in Canada, the prime minister lives around the corner for me. I am, this is a liberal, bright red liberal. And I was sitting out on my patio <clears throat> typing uh, in the few days before the election and people kept coming by my neighbors and saying, are we really going to have an election? Like they were, they were a bit pissed. Like they, and that's when I started to get a sense. And I, I said it to my bureau mates. I said, you know, my informal front step poll says that even liberals in this riding, and I also know, I, I, I know a lot of liberals cause I've covered the party for so long. <clears throat> um, they're hearing from their friends. They've been hearing for a few years, this rage against Trudeau, you know, and the anger. And I think he's a, a, a magnet for it sometimes fairly and unfairly, but um, so I, I knew all the ingredients were out there, you know, like the, the rage against Trudeau, the, the, and the, uh, the question of uh, whether we should have an election, but I too am taken aback by it. I am also really taken aback by their inability to answer it. Right. The, um, yesterday I furiously grabbed the platform mm-hmm. and said, okay, there's going to be something big and shiny and important. Where's our big idea? Why we're here? Yeah. yeah. And it was nothing. I, I don't want to say nothing. I, I, and I, I know the people who are writing this platform and I, I don't want to disparage their work. I, I think that I don't want to disparage anybody's work. I, I'm hugely impressed with Aaron O'Toole's platform too. I think it's, um, you know, this, I, don't, I don't think anybody's listening to the debate about costing, uncosting, not costing. I think that's at the, I, and there's an interesting take on this that oh, these platforms are designed so densely and, and so, in so much detail because of the data wars, right? That they are, they've got all kinds of data on what people want, you know? But what's missing from both platforms, Aaron O'Toole's has a better sort of linking theme about security. And um, there's no linking theme. I really love linking themes. You know, I like when, when something holds together. And the other thing that struck me, I guess, is, you know, we've, we've seen rules of politics being broken all over the place for the past six years. Donald Trump started it and then the pandemic carried it on. But I think another rule that's getting broken here, and I think that's where you're seeing the tension. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to write this actually for the weekend, um, is normally the incumbent in office is the stable choice. You know, the, that there is stability, you know, that so they get the benefit. If, if, it, is a, if it is a campaign about stability and a resistance to change, which you would think people would be in a mood for, Mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau should be the beneficiary of that. But that has all that advantage has almost gone to O'Toole now, stability and security. 
A, because of some clever branding, but also I think people are associating Justin Trudeau with the events that have surrounded him, which has been chaos and not of his own making, uh, to be fair to him. Donald Trump and the pandemic introduced an element of chaos into people's lives and they want stability again. And he should be the agent, the candidate of stability in this campaign, but he's kind of not. He's, he's, the chaos is all around him. And these protests reinforce this idea that, holy smokes, you know, the world is, is going nuts around Justin Trudeau. And I, I want to pick up on something you mentioned about this, like the anger towards the prime minister um, and a friend of mine who was the like the campaign manager main pollster for Sheer, when talking to me about it, he was like, it's interesting when we poll on 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 Trudeau, he's like people either really love him or they hate him. And when they don't love him anymore, they turn off like a light switch, like normally politicians kind of drag down. He's like, and it just goes like that. And people flip. I always wondered about that. That is. That, that's such an important observation because that's how he, he arrived too. Yeah. People just turned on, flicked on the switch and there was Justin Trudeau mania, right? Yeah, it was. And I'd never trust that. Like, it, it's like, okay, metaphorically, you and I are sitting in a bar right now and we talk about <laughs> um, it, like people you meet instantly and uh, usually it goes out then too, right? The, it's, mm. it's just the same as in real life. Uh, the the slow and steady acquaintance. And I always wondered about that, about Trudeau is just, you know, he went from third party leader and nowhere to suddenly being this rock star during, you know, closing the streets in Coburg, Ontario in the, the campaign in, in 2015. And, and as somebody, again, who'd watched him for a few years before that, I'm going, hmm, I remember when he was kind of a dork. Right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, wearing wearing sandal or flip-flops with his suits right like i um stole my cab at uh the parliamentary press gallery dinner when he was an mp he literally stole my cab in front of me i was like what is this it was before he was like the leader like no no disparaging it was kind of funny i don't think he really did but i was like what the hell (laughs) yeah he's a he's a nerd right and he's a bit of a um yeah, it, re- it reminds me a bit of David Peterson, who I knew he was um, he was pre he wasn't premier when I went to school at Western, and he was kind of this dorky MP for London, MPP for London, and I went to see him as the editor of the school paper, and and then <laughs> a few years later, there he is, this red tie, you know, um, yeah. Anyway, it's a, a Trudeau wears prime minister well, I guess, because he knows how to, but. Um, but yeah, I, it's also, I guess your, your friends would be telling you too, your pollster friends, or um, there is a demographic that really hates Trudeau and there's yeah. no nice way to say it. I'm sorry if you hate him and you're not in this. Older white men over 50 really, really, really hate him. And I, I, I joke to some of them sometimes, some of my friends, um, if I felt this emotional about a politician, you tell me to get a grip. yeah it's very emotional yeah it's visceral yeah their voices raised they they get very upset about him and i think is he is he does any politician really affect your life that much that it would make you that emotional so my question to you based on like let's assume the light switch theory is is accurate and let's assume most people are flicking more people are flicking it off than like over 50 white dudes who frankly were not his main voting yeah. block ever right so this yeah. is permeating in places where it would be unusual for it to happen 
And this is a politician, as you pointed out, who was reared in the spotlight, grew up mm-hmm. with his dad being front page news, his mom, you know, was kind of scrutinized his whole for better and for worse, I would imagine, who can flick this stuff off a little easier than the rest. Like if I was dealing with he's dealing with, I'd probably be like in my closet crying with oh. like on my. But yeah. so he's not equipped. He's good to brush it off. He's got a team that's exhausted and he's no longer as adored as he was. Yeah, we, we haven't seen this big pivot that like people keep expecting out of them. We thought that would be in the platform and it wasn't. Do you think they're equipped to to pivot or you think there's a or you think there's just an unwillingness or they're just digging in and we're going to do what we're going to do for the next two weeks and hope that if we throw enough arrows at Aaron O'Toole, people tune in after Labor Day, we'll we'll do we'll carpet bomb them with an air war that that'll change. Like, do you think there there's there's something there there where they're going to have a big pivot or a big moment? Or are we just in for this kind of weird disjointed campaign and hope that it holds? So I have uh, two possibilities on the way that they, this could change, the path of this could change. One is what you said, Labor Day. That the, I, and another thing people don't understand enough about Trudeau is he's incredibly disciplined. He isn't it? I, um, yeah, whether athletically or work-wise, he actually, you know, he will never have more than one drink. You know, he's not a guy who- I didn't know that. No, he's incredible, doesn't like sugar. Uh, he's got- all these incredible, um, incredible self-discipline about uh, things. So they may be holding back until after Labor Day. You know, that was the plan. That's what we're going to do. I also did a big article after they won in 2019 about how they won. And uh, friends and foes alike were amazed by the way in which they, they, they used the ground game. They have a very, very good data and ground game. And it's Trudeau's old friend, Tom Pitfield. And um, they win, they don't win elections nationally. They win elections one riding at a time. And they learned that from Stephen Harper's conservative. Um, And they uh, have taken those rules to heart. And when I I give a, when I first started my last book, was a lot about the data wars and everything. I like shopping for votes available yeah. in better bookstores everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, the, what I, I joke when I went out and talked about that book all the time is that Justin Trudeau kept getting a bigger and bigger part in it as I had to revise it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a few versions of it, including a paperback. But um, when I first started it, the liberals were incredibly lame, like incredibly lame at data. Uh, embarrassingly and almost protectively so no we're not playing that we're not going to do that and the more that Trudeau who is a data nerd got involved in and then led the party the more they got into data and this aspect of things now last election at least they had a better game at this so one thing that tells me is when we're watching the national polls be careful because liberals are win things riding by riding one voter by one voter, they have been out doing their days of action and all of those things. So I think if we see a mismatch on election day between what we're seeing now, uh, you know, just a tie, it's not just, be- it, it's because they have, they've got their ground game. And so we, we journalists need a, a way to figure out how to cover that ground game. We don't cover it. We cover this as though it's a big national thing. Yeah. So they there may be things they're doing right now that are not obvious is what I'm saying. 
Yeah. And to be fair, the parties don't actually make it easy for you to cover that stuff because I don't want you talking You're about not. all of the things no. that they do. There's a reason Aaron O'Toole is disappears for six hours and they're feeding the media sandwiches because he's yeah. doing stuff, right? That isn't what you know about. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I promised uh, 20 minutes in the virtual bar and out. So um, thank you so much for this, Susan. Um, uh, we will continue to read all your stuff. We'll look forward to the piece on the weekend. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with or that we should watch out for? Oh, that's a tough one. I just, I think you've uh, it sort of uh, highlighted what uh, what we have to watch out for. Is this game going to change after Labor Day? All right. Well, have a great uh, Labor Day weekend. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You too. It was fun, even without the wine. <laughs> Political Traction is hosted by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. Our show is produced by Simon Breden, Hunter Nifton, John Gardner, and Kimberly Drapak. A very special thank you to this week's guest, Susan Delacourt. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate us online or wherever you find your podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Traction Polly. I'm Amanda Galbraith. We'll see you next Friday.